On February 5th, 1995, George Washington defeated the number one team in the country at the Charles E. Smith Center. It was a 78-75 to 75 win against the University of Massachusetts, and if you've looked at some of the content that has come from the athletic department or know anything about Colonial's lore, you probably know something about that win over UMass. President Clinton was in attendance. Chelsea Clinton was in attendance. The reported attendance of the game was 5,020. The game was bigger than big for that season under Mike Jarvis and, and for the Colonials program. On January 26, 1996, and January 14, 1998, GW also defeated ranked teams. A 64-47 to win over number 8 Virginia Tech and a 78-73 to win over number 18 Xavier. There was a loss in between, a one-point loss to number 15 Xavier on January 24, 1997. Since January 14, 1998, this has been the record for George Washington basketball against ranked teams in the Smith Center. Number 24, Rhode Island, 69. Number 17, GW, 61 on February 10, 1998. On March 5, 2000, number 5, Temple, 98. GW, 67. On February 4, 2003, number 19, Xavier, 80. GW, 68. January 19, 2008, number 25, Xavier, 74. GW, 66. On February 26, 2011, number 24, Temple, 57. Your Colonials, 41. On February 9th, 2013, number 14, Butler, 59, GW, 56. On, number uh, on March 2nd, 2013, number 18, 19, St. Louis, 66, George Washington, 58. And on February 14th, 2015, number 20 or 22, depending on your poll, VCU, 79, George Washington, 66. For whatever reason, the last GW has lost their last nine games against ranked teams at home. They don't happen very often. This is nine games against ranked teams since 1998. And that says something about what is so precious about this game against the University of Virginia on Monday night. GW has the opportunity to do a handful of things in this game. First and foremost, they have the opportunity to break a nine-game losing streak against ranked teams in the Smith Center. Second of all, they have the opportunity to command national attention and be one of those series of teams that have continually shocked major programs. Okay, GW is certainly not Monmouth. They're certainly not Radford. And by the way, go Radford. But this is an opportunity for George Washington, who have been projected to be on the wrong side of the bubble by all sorts of, of prognosticators, to demonstrate that they are a team uh, that is absolutely qualified to be in that conversation uh and, and a win against a team that many many people are saying uh should be considered national championship contenders in uva uh is an opportunity to now have us start thinking about how just how far this team can go not not can this team get there furthermore this is an opportunity for gw to create a sense of momentum so early in the season in the smith center and show what the, the environment can be like, what the students can be like, what our season ticket holders can be like. Um, everything can start rolling with this game. And there's something really beautiful. Yes, you, will, you can potentially lose a game against UVA. You lost last year, and you played 20 very good minutes, but you lost, and everyone expects you're going to lose again. You, you, there's, you know, whether it's history because it's the, the quality of the pack line because there are still new bodies that are being integrated into the GW system, there are all sorts of completely rational excuses that you can make for GW to not win this game. So you've got nothing to lose. 
you've got an opportunity to have a program defining game sort of like that Wichita State win sort of like that Creighton win but guess what this time you get to do it in your own building you don't have to call mom and say hey I'm in Hawaii guess what we did hey by the way I'm in California guess what we just beat Creighton you get to celebrate with your own friends with your own family with your own classmates you get to see yourself on the news that night and the local TV you get to see yourself in the paper in the morning and you don't have to get on a plane and worry about getting to class after flying cross-country you get to be in that moment and we all get to enjoy that moment with you so to the GW basketball team, I say, go win. Why not? If you don't, we're not going to be that mad. UVA is good. But do it. Why not? And to the GW fans, I say to you guys, give them the best chance possible to get that victory. Get to the game early. Scream your head off. Give the referees a hard time. Cheer as loudly as you can. You know, we're going to have an interview just in a moment with Matt Ellis of uh, Streaking the Lawn, the SB Nation blog. It's an ex excellent interview. Um, really gracious fans, and uh, I have a lot of respect for the UVA program. I think what Tony Bennett has done has been outstanding. I think the way that these players have bought into this idea of the pack line, which a lot of people say is boring basketball, but it's winning basketball, and, and it requires a level of team engagement that I really have a lot of respect for. But he'll tell you. That game that they played against Morgan State, they went 14 deep, but the the pack line isn't ready yet. You know, this is not this team is still very much a work in progress, and this is what they're considering an opportunity to finally test this this pack line uh, against a quality team. So knock them on their asses. Why not, Tyler Cavanaugh? This is the, this is the moment of moments for you to say, hey, by the way, I'm ACC talent. I just choose to be here. This is an opportunity for Kevin Larson to say, yeah, I only logged like two points and or three points and two rebounds or two points and three rebounds uh, in Charlottesville last year, but I am a player. This is the time to do it. Define your legacy. Set the tone. Get a win. And now let's take a listen to this uh, great interview with Matt Ellis of Streaking the Lawn. It is now my pleasure to welcome Matt Ellis from Streaking the Lawn, UVA's SB Nation blog, uh, to discuss what is uh, arguably the biggest GW home game in at least 20 years. Uh, the last time I would say a game was this big was when number one UMass came into the Smith Center. Bill Clinton was present for that win. Uh, and Matt, I'm going to say, it, at least for myself, I'm hoping we have a similar result and uh, and, and that you guys will be driving back to Charlottesville disappointed. Um, I think the pundits would say that would be a stretch. Um, and, and so, Matt, just let's get right into it. You are currently rooting for a team and you're an alum of a team that uh, a lot of folks are saying could be a national champion. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, you know, I, I think when, whenever you're cheering for a team that comes off back to back ACC regular season championships, but you know, hasn't quite had that success that a lot of people would like to see in the NCAA tournament, you start focusing a little bit less on the regular season, start gauging things a little bit more about what happens in March. And, you know, maybe, uh, I don't think it has to be a national championship for a season to be successful. Um, but a lot of people are talking Elite Eight, Final Four, in that sort of conversation. I think the uh, the expectations have finally gotten there. Now, this this lineup, save for the loss of Justin Anderson, who um, 
you can make the argument that his return to that lineup in March um, almost made it look like UVA basketball was somewhat interrupted, uh, as if he, he it looked to me from a distance like he had a hard time reintegrating with that with that lineup. Um, and and it's, you could sort of see it in that difficult Michigan State game in the NCAA tournament. But for the most part, the nucleus, especially when you look at guys like Malcolm Brogdon, London Parentis, and Mike Toby, um, and Anthony Gill, I mean, there's a lot of talent from last year that's just right back. We're picking up right where they left off. Yeah, I, I think that's definitely true. And you mentioned Parentis, Gill, and Brogdon. I think are the, the big three guys that are no one has any questions about. And I think there were sort of two main questions about UVA coming into the year. And one was, like you mentioned, who was going to pick up for Justin? Um, we started uh, a guy against Morgan State yesterday named Darius Thompson, um, who UVA fans are new to. He played at Tennessee, transferred, set out last year. So it was his first start. Um, he played great. Evan was really happy. I think he had uh, 12.6 boards, four assists. Really happy. Um, and he'll also share some time with Mariel Shayok, who was on the team last year as a true freshman. And they'll sort of combine, hope to, to break up Justin's production and, and sort of substitute themselves in that way. Um, and the other question is, defensively, you know, we had Darion Atkins, the ACC Defensive Player of the Year last year, and now he's gone. And so Mike Toby, someone who's been in the program forever, can he step in? And can he both step his game up defensively to where it needs to be in the, the pack line defense that UVA prides itself off of? And can he deliver consistent results? He's always had great games followed by not so great games. Um, the leads, leads UVA fans at times wanting just a little bit more from Mike. You know, one of the things that's really interesting, I did not watch the UVA Morgan State game, um, but. I was surprised by by two major components of this game. First and foremost, that UVA put up 86 points. Uh, the pack line uh, sort of style is not something that you would imagine is conducive to even breaking 70 points most games, and you guys dropped 86. Um, is that a byproduct of a reduced shot clock, or do you guys just have more firepower that you're letting loose? I think it's a couple of things. So the, the reduced shot clock, I think, plays a little bit of a role. Um, part of it is I think now we finally have the athletes in the program where Coach Bennett feels uh, more confident in letting them sort of get out and play in transition and, and use athleticism to an advantage when previously it, it wasn't an edge. Um, and I also think part of it is that the team just isn't quite as crisp defensively, especially early in the season, um, as it was last year, especially when you lose guys like Justin and Darion, who are arguably two of the best defenders in the conference. Um, you're going to take a little bit of a step back defensively. So when other teams are able to score, a little bit more easily, it leads to more possessions, more shots. Uh, you know, UVA scored 86 yesterday. They started off the game shooting one for 10 from the field. Um, and they, you know, 27% from, from, uh, from three. Um, what they did do is lived at the line yesterday. They shot 26 free throws. And anytime you can sort of bully a team down low, it wasn't really fair with Morgan State. It'll be different with GW. The size advantage won't be there to the same degree. Um, but when you can bully a team down low like that, it, it just sort of makes it a, a bit of an unfair matchup. Yeah, you know, all of the things that I would have expected with the rules changes concerning UVA basketball, I really did feel like um, these rules changes were almost built, and, and I'm, the, the pack line has not necessarily been dominant enough that you would warrant, you know, having your own sort of uh, Wilt Chamberlain or Kareem Abdul-Jabbar style rules. Um, but I would have expected that Morgan State would go to the free throw line 
more than taking just 11 shots. You know, I would have assumed that the pack line, because it is such a physical and because it requires, you know, forcing yourself to get into what is a very muddy uh, interior presence, I really expected that guys like Toby and, and what would really be in more foul trouble. Mike Toby had zero fouls in 19 minutes of play. Um, how was UVA able to play that style of defense um, while not necessarily uh, getting nailed with the ticky-tack that you see so often happening all across college basketball in this first game, uh, this first weekend of the season? I was a little bit surprised that Mike was able to play 19 minutes without any fouls as well. Um, but the pack line has always been built more around, even when the shocker was 35, they never really were committing a lot of fouls. Mm-hmm. It's not built really around forcing turnovers. It's not built about, around reaching or, or pressuring or trying to jump the passing lane as much as it is around positioning and staying in between your man and the basket. You know, the, the high hedge that's a, that's a large part of it isn't built to get out there and really sort of obstruct and bump the guy as much as it is to just sort of divert his path and allow the time for the rest of the defense to recover and, you know, move on a string, as, as coaches like to say. Um, so I, I know that from a UVA perspective, fans were pretty optimistic actually coming in around this 30-second shot clock, thinking that it would be an advantage to us as opposed to a hindrance. So there's this um, I, I think longstanding belief that UVA wants to slow everything down, and that may or may not be true. You know, obviously they're methodical in offense, but of course, you know, there's going to be fewer possessions when you're forcing the team to go out to the last three or four or five seconds of a shot clock like every single time. One of the things that's really amazing is, and, and George Washington had uh, as well a, a tale of two halves. Your second half was, I think, a little bit more the ideal tale of two halves, shooting 20 of 30, 66% from the floor in uh, in, in that second half. Uh, talk me through this game and really, you know, what was it that really opened the floodgates for you uh, and allowed you to pull away from Oregon State? I think it was just a, a size mismatch. I mean, you, you look back at the box score, UVA had 50 rebounds. Um, Morgan State had 21. Yeah, UVA had more offensive rebounds than Morgan State had 20. Had rebounds total. There were 23 offensive rebounds for the game, and there's just, you know, there's nothing you could do there. We could have shot 30% for the game and probably still won by 20. Um, so yeah, I, I think the the big thing was is in the second half, shots started to fall a little bit, and once you made once UVA made Morgan State sort of respect the outside shot and the jump shot, and then you could feed it down low to guys who were in single coverage and had a six inch size advantage. It just sort of it, it allowed them to, to pull away really easily um, and, and sort of more towards the game that everyone thought we were going to see from the onset. Tony Bennett did no favors to Mike Lonergan uh, in terms of watching tape. Ten guys logged double-digit minutes. Fourteen players saw the floor for UVA in this game. Um, you know, when you talk about this team and, and its depth, um, when you're playing a team like GW, who is arguably right now an NCAA bubble team, I would argue has the capacity to be a solid uh, top third, top quarter of the Atlantic 10. Um, when you're playing against those higher quality out-of-conference opponents and, and when you're playing ACC basketball, um, what do you see as the rotation for this UVA team? How deep is this team going to go? I think in close games, we'll probably see something closer to around in man to nine-man rotation. Um, you know, I, I think the starting five will stay the same. You'll see London at the point, Malcolm at the two, uh, Darius Thompson playing the three, and Gil and Toby at the four and five. Um, coming off the bench, you've got some younger players. Um, Isaiah Wilkins is a, an athletic forward who's sort of going to be taking that Darion role in terms of being that guy on the high edge that the defense sort of revolves around. 
Um, you've got Evan Nolte, who's a, a senior in the program, a, a fan favorite for a lot of people. Um, who, when he's good, he's able to, to stretch the floor and, you know, really defend well and make teams respect his three-point shot. The issue is his three-point shot's been a little bit off as of late. He shot only around 27% last year, one for three against Morgan State. So hopefully he can find his stroke. And the other two guys will be uh, Mario Shayok, who I mentioned a little bit earlier. He'll split some time with Darius Thompson around trying to fill that Justin Anderson void. And Devin Hall, who's a, a true freshman, uh, backup point guard who can also play a little bit of the two. Um, and I would argue that he was probably the biggest surprise in that Morgan State game. He came in, looked great. He played 22 minutes, 5 of 8 in the field, 13 points, 4 assists. He just looked he looked like someone who had really just sort of taken a leap over the summer when he's getting that that third year in the program. It, it, it was very different for him. Now, you mentioned at one point that uh, this is – a team right now that is still trying to sort of find its defensive identity, arguably. You know, there's the, the because of the nature of the system, uh, I imagine that you have to sort of feel each other out, especially when you're integrating new pieces. Um, you were, Did you watch that GW game last year? Uh, I did. I watched the GW game last year. Um, and I, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, the game this year took on a, a very similar tack. You know, I think GW led by four at the half last that's, year. That's correct. UVA yeah. came out a little yeah, you came out a little bit rusty. It was the first game Virginia had against a, a real opponent, and it will be this year too. And you know, I'm sure the uh, I, I expect there will be a good number of UVA fans at the Smith Center, but I, I imagine there'll still be a, a majority of GW fans. And as you mentioned earlier, the, the biggest home game for the program in, in a while. I expect GW to come out and really come out aggressively. That said, and you mentioned it perfectly, that GW even last year was sort of that first real quality opponent that UVA took on. Um, UVA seems to peak toward the middle and, and toward the end of the regular season. The, the NCAA tournament is just a unique beast that that seems to have confounded mm-hmm. the program so far. Is getting UVA early the best possible opportunity to try to knock them off and get an upset against this program? Um, that's a good question. I, I think it certainly could be, especially on a year like this where we're integrating so many different pieces. Um, I mean, we went through the starting five. Four of those five played significant minutes last year. Uh, Darius Thompson being the only one who didn't. But it's still, it's a deep team. It's a, it's a deep program. Um, I do think that getting early on in the year in the situation where GW has, where it is the, the first real test, and the pack line is something that by all accounts takes time to really get into, um, I, I could see them being a little bit more vulnerable early on. The counter to that would be, when we get into ACC play, you know, this is now, I think, Tony Bennett's um, seventh year as the head coach of UVA. Um, the ACC school should be a little bit more um, familiar with the pack line than a school like GW might be, and only their their second time facing it, where I, I don't know if any other schools in the A-10 play this sort of style of defense. UVA is playing at George Washington on Monday. For those of you who are living under a rock and somehow found this podcast and didn't know that, um, GW represents one of only two true road games in the non-conference schedule for UVA. You guys are having Villanova come to your building. You're having Cal come to your building. You're hosting William and Mary, who suddenly has proven to be not necessarily an, <laughs> an easy walk. Um, yeah. What What do you think? Um, what what? How does the the home floor versus a road game influence the UVA style of basketball? Have they usually struggled on the road, or is this just an opportunity to be selling tickets and getting people in the building? I don't think they've struggled too much on the road. I I know I think the uh, the stat is since the UVA had that that terrible loss about a year and a half ago at Tennessee um, by thirty. 
but since then they've lost seven games by a combined 30 points, and the losses were to Duke, Carolina, Louisville, Maryland, um, and, and Michigan State twice. Um, so, you know, it's not a program that, that really seems to, to get upset too much. Um, I do think that the fans at, at UVA at John Paul Jones Arena have done a great job of embracing this style of defense and that the, the, the team is really able to feed off of that defensive identity. Um, and, and you mentioned, you know, only two true road games, but there are, there's a uh, tournament in Charleston starting up, I think, next Thursday where they'll start off against Bradley. Right. Um, at the beginning of December, they play up in Madison Square Garden against West Virginia. Um, so I think this is the, the toughest test in terms of out-of-conference schedule that UVA has had during Tony Bennett's tenure. Um, and, and strangely enough, I think it's, it's sort of getting towards that, that Tom Izzo Michigan State model of let's test the team early out-of-conference so they've seen everything by the time they're able to go through that and go through the conference schedule. They can really peak in March and really be experienced in season going into the term. So let's now start breaking down specifically this game. Um... You are now on a podcast behind enemy lines. Give us the intel. What does it take to beat UVA? I think it's the the main thing is there's got to be some semblance of a quality in terms of rebounding. Um, I don't remember the exact stats from the game last year, but I think uh, UVA won the rebounding battle by around 15 boards, um, and that's got to be closer. GW doesn't have to win the rebounding battle, but they've got to be respectable in that regard. Um, the other thing is, I, I think GW is going to have to make shots. The more you can make threes and sort of stretch the pack line, um, and you know, the less UVA is able to sort of pack in and double and post trap, um, that's going to be a key to it as well. And the third thing is, um, if you can get a, a penetrating guard, I know that in the past UVA, when we've struggled, we've struggled with teams who were able to have a quick point guard who was able to one-on-one get past his defender get into the lane, and that's when the pack line collapses, and you're able to, to kick that ball back out and able to sort of get the pack line rotating and scrambling in a way that they don't like to do. Um, so I think those would be the three keys. The rebounding battle has to be close. Um, Got to make shots from three. And if, if there's a point guard who can sort of break down the defense on his own and then create shots for other people, that's a, a huge plus and a huge boon uh, to GW's chances of pulling the upset. I've just pulled up the box score from that last game. Virginia did defeat George Washington on November 21st. Uh, the final score uh, was 59-42. Uh, to 42. George Washington shot in that first half from the field 33%. Uh, in the sec- I'm sorry, that's Virginia. Virginia shot 33% from the field in the first half. Mm-hmm. Second half, they shot 50%, where it totally flipped for GW. They opened the game with that four-point lead at the half, shooting 45%. Uh, that second half was... Um, Dreadful would probably be a good word. Five for 25, 20% from the floor. Uh, you were absolutely right about that rebounding mismatch. 41 to 28. Uh, Darian Atkins was the only double digit rebounder in the game. Um, and, and if one of the things that you remember, or I remember very, very vividly, Kevin Larson, who's arguably, um, the 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 uh, lifeblood of this team because he really has established for the for the Colonials the opportunity to have some semblance of a post game was kept incredibly silent in this game he had a uh, two points he had three rebounds four turnovers uh, and uh, and three fouls he, he was sort of a non entity and and for all intents and purposes Keith and Savage who has since transferred from the program to Butler thirteen points in the game Yuta Watanabe uh, a Japanese freshman at the time now a sophomore has come in and has proceeded. Uh, to really establish himself. He was the only other double-digit scorer for the Colonials. Um, 
And so a lot of the, 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 the sum of all fears kind of came up in that second half for GW. Um, you know, I, I have to hope that we have, uh, first of all, a nucleus, uh, a returning uh, senior group uh, of uh, Joe McDonald, Patricio Grino, and Kevin Larson, who are both, A, more prepared to manage a situation like this game, and B, hopefully remember that second half rather clearly. Um, and, and I have to hope that Kevin Larson will be uh, more willing and more able to go in on those forwards and, and try to force the pack line to collapse in on him and create opportunities uh, on, in the outside in the mid-range game. Whether or not we hit those shots, frankly, it's a strange team I, I don't know you know it could really go either way um and and because of the nature of the game uh, on the home court we could either be really really jumpy and and sloppy or we could really be on top of our game um so it could go a lot of different ways the x factor in this game for george washington has to be considered tyler cavanaugh uh, i don't know if you remember seeing him um against wake forest uh, Tyler Cavanaugh just transferred from Wake to George Washington. He sat out last year. Uh, yesterday, he was really uh, a dominant player, scoring a double-double in a game against Lafayette. Really has an ability to sort of be that deft number four type player. Can hit uh, high post shots, gets in there. He had seven offensive rebounds, and hopefully he will share some of that burden with Kevin Larson. And, and barring foul trouble, uh, the game inside is going to be a much different game. Um whether that's enough to, uh, you know, take on a team that has, for all intents and purposes, reloaded in UVA, I I'm really not sure. Um, I, I could see this game going a lot of different directions. Um, but from from what you saw in that game against Morgan State, with the expectations that you have for this program, um, you know, I'm going to ask you to go out on a limb here. What's your prediction for a final score uh, in the Smith Center? I think it'll be a little bit higher scoring than it was last year. I think you said, you know, last year, 59-42. Um, I would say that I'm going to pick Virginia to win 64 to 52. Um, but I think it's with points either way at the half. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't think GW will go quite as cold as they did in the second half last year. I think there was, in, I think in the first 17 minutes of the second half last year, GW made one field goal. Yep. Um, and I don't expect that to, to occur by any means. Um, but I do think there will be one of those sort of patented Virginia runs where they lock down on defense, go on a, you know, 12-0, 10-0, 14-4 sort of run, and that provides the separation needed. So I'm going to go with 64-52 to 52 Virginia for the final. That sounds uh, like something I... I want to disagree with um but i'm, I'm not sure <laughs> uh, you know I'm not, I'm not sure i can um you know I, I do do i really do believe that george washington is capable uh, of defeating uva at home i think uh the, the talent is there i think that it really does have a degree of mentality we've talked a lot on this podcast both last year and, and among uh you know friends of mine and people who are close to the program george washington's season is going to be determined by their mental and physical toughness um GW has historically been a very resilient team, but they have not necessarily been a particularly aggressive team. And um, the, our ability to to really go at opponents and really find ways to exploit their weaknesses um, is really something that has been in question, I think, for this program, uh, especially over the last few years. The, there is talent that is underutilized, and I think uh, Exhibit A is, is Kevin Larson's performance at JPJ last year. Um, you know, he is a guy against, uh, you know, especially if Toby is spending a lot of time on the floor. Toby has a lot of talent. He went 7 of 8 yesterday against Morgan State, but I do find him to be someone that you can exploit in this game. Um, he sort of, you know, for all intents and purposes, looks like a bit of a goober. Um, and, and, and I... <laughs> I have a lot of respect for his game, and when he's good, he's great. When he's not so good, he's he's really not so good. And um, I, I think, you know, 
putting those two players up against one another, I would say that Kevin Larson and, and Tyler Cavanaugh both are probably superior basketball players. I think Mike Toby is a more successful systems player, and, and I think realistically he's probably a bit more consistent over the long haul. And so um, I am going to – gosh, am I going to try to say that GW is going to upset number six UVA at the Smith Center? You know, I can't do it. I can't, you know, I really want to. Um, <laughs> I, I, I really, really do want to. Um, and, and I think that this is an opportunity for GW to really set the tone for its season. And, and I think if we get this win with what we're expecting for uh, our Atlantic 10 performance, um, this is a, a type of win that if we're able to get that third or fourth place finish in the Atlantic 10, um, it doesn't necessarily certify our bubble resume or our NCAA tournament resume, but it definitely does um, change the game for us. Um, and so there's a lot of reasons why this game isn't necessarily must win, but the advantages of winning this game are immense. Um, but GW's got to prove to all of us, I think, that they, they have the emotional and physical capacity to, to take advantage of the opportunities when they're presented to them, and they haven't done it quite yet. So I'm going to have to probably agree with your scoreline right now, um, but uh, I look forward to getting you back on the podcast and doing the postmortem where we're both saying, holy cow, the Colonials shocked us both. I hope the the postmortem has a slightly different tone to that, where we can say, you know, it went the way we thought. We're still optimistic about GW's tourney chances. I do think GW is a, a tournament-level team, regardless of, of what happens on Monday night. But I, I get that we'll have a little bit slightly con- conflicting interest when it comes to Monday. I think we do. I think we do. Matt, is this going to be your first trip to the Smith Center? I will, actually. I've, I've never been to a game at GW before. Okay. I've watched them on TV, but never seen, never been. Okay, you're going to have a blast. Um the Smith Center is is really, truly, um, I think, one of the best places to watch college basketball um, in the country. As, as of all the places I've been, um, it, is, it is, for all intents and purposes, a tricked-out shoebox. Um, there is not one single bad seat in the building. Um, if that place gets loud, it gets deafeningly loud. Um, and, um, I, you know, I'm hopeful that it's a predominantly buff and blue crowd and there's a limited amount of orange. But um, I make sure to get to the game early. Really appreciate just uh, the, the quality of the building. The sight lines are outstanding. And um, you're all going to kind of feel like you're sitting on top of each other. I think you're going to, regardless of, of how this game plays out, I think you're going to have a blast. I, I hope so. I'm sure it'll be a great time. Matt Ellis is a writer for Streaking the Lawn. It is an SB Nation blog focusing on UVA athletics. You can find that on streakingthelawn.com. And, Matt, you know, I've talked to some members of your team before. Do you have a specific Twitter account that you'd like to share with the world? Uh, I do. Uh, my Twitter account is mellis815. Um, but the, the Twitter account for the Streaking the Lawn site is at the UVA Fool. And uh, so thank you so much, Matt, for joining us here on the podcast. Really looking forward to, to taking a look at this game. Um, you know, fans, if you're listening to this and you are not in the D.C. area, uh, GW alumni associations all over the country are hosting watch parties. Uh, I'll be attending one uh, here in Orange County, California. But make sure to check the Alumni Association website and find out where that game is being watched. And I want to echo the sentiments of Andrew Wiseman, who came on from Colonial Hoops uh, just yesterday's episode. Uh, he was asked if he had an extra ticket and he said well who's the ticket for and someone said it's for a UVA fan and he said absolutely not do everything you can to make sure that Matt is the only UVA fan in this building okay I know StubHub is going to feel exciting and I know that UVA grads probably can afford to pay you absurd amounts of money for those tickets but do not let them take those tickets 
get there, be loud, and create the home field, uh, the home court advantage rather that we need to certify this victory. Matt, thank you so much for all the insight. Really appreciate having you on the show, and um, let's uh, let's see how this this all plays out. Yeah, thanks, Dave. Thanks for having me on. I look forward to talking to you afterwards.